The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through outreach, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. If you are in kindergarten through fifth grade and you would like to go to children's church, please join our volunteers by the kids' zone sign. If it is your child's first time in children's church, please go with them so we can get them checked in. Good morning. We should have had her read that passage, read that passage before the offering. That would have made a lot more sense. No, um, it's, a, it's a convicting passage for all of us this morning, and so we'll work through it together. Mark, the last almost all of 12, has just been these confrontations you've seen Jesus and the scribes, Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus and the Sadducees, and he's just basically over and over again pointing at these religious leaders and saying, this is what you shouldn't be like. This is what you shouldn't be like. And finally, we get to the end of Mark 12, and Jesus gives us a sweet and simple example of what we should be like. And it's a woman that he points us to, and it's a widow. A woman that he points us to, and it's a widow. Well, the whole passage is about generosity, financial generosity, and with your life, generosity. On the Global Rich List, which is a website you can go and look up afterwards, if you make $30,000 in America, you're in the top 1.23 richest people on the planet by income. If you make $30,000 in America, you're in the top 1.23% richest people in the world by income. Or to put it in a different analogy, this is one Alistair Begg used. Have you heard of the pickin'? The pickin'? We're off to a good start. Have you heard about the pig and the chicken? Have you heard about the... <laughs> have you heard about the pig? I, you got, you're way ahead of me this morning. You heard about the pig and the chicken. Well, the chicken comes to the pig and says, Hey, I got a good idea. We should go into business together. And the pig says, let's do it, man. What you have in mind? And the chicken says, we'll open up a shop and serve eggs and bacon. And the pig says, hold on a second. You would be engaging in our business with contributions. I would be engaged in our business through sacrifice. And that's what the passage is about this morning. So let's pray and ask God to bless our study of his word this morning. Lord, would you have mercy on me, a sinner? We need your help. We need your Holy Spirit. Your spirit is the one that can tap on our hearts and convict us. Your spirit is the one who can 
nourish us and bring us hope and encouragement. Your spirit is the one who can lift our eyes and point us to see Jesus, to stop staring at ourselves and our failures and our, our flaws, but instead to lift our eyes and see Jesus. Your spirit is the one that can do that. And so would you, by your grace, pour out your spirit on this place? And through my words, that the people who are listening and the one who preaches would be deeply encouraged and fall in love with Jesus all over again. But you have to make it so. I can't bring healing. I can't bring hope. You can. And I ask that you, do, you would do it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. There's a movie that many of you have not seen called Brewster's Millions. It's an old, old movie with Richard Pryor. Has anybody seen that movie? Yeah, good cultural reference, Jared. It's an old, old movie. And here's the premise of the movie. Richard Pryor is this minor league baseball player, and he's kind of coming to the end of his career, and his prospects aren't looking very good. And he finds out that he has this relative that he didn't know about. And this relative was rich, and I mean rich, like $300 million rich. And he says through a video, a recorded video before he passed away, he says to Richard Pryor, I have an inheritance for you of $300 million. But here's the catch. For you to get the $300 million, you have to spend $30 million in 30 days and not have a dime left to your name. And you can't just go buy things because then you would have acquisitions, you'd have property, you'd have houses, you'd have boat, and then you'd still have value. You have to spend the $30 million in 30 days and have nothing but the shirt on your back. And the whole movie, he's going through, he's buying dinners for people at fancy restaurants. He's trying to run a campaign so that he can spend all his money and have nothing to show for it. He's trying all of these things to spend as much as he possibly can because he knows that more is coming. And that's a picture of what we're supposed to feel like as Christians with our money. That we're supposed to spend as much as we can for the sake of others because we know that more is coming. That our generosity indicates our, sincere, our sincerity and our love for Jesus. One of my teachers says this, our giving... Listen, our giving and our loving are inseparable. Our giving and our loving are inseparable. Here's that out of the Bible. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Or Galatians 2, 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or again, my teacher showed the, me this passage, Acts 17. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he, get, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Your generosity and your loving are inseparable. Think about it. When you say to your spouse, I want to give the kids a really sweet Christmas, get them that thing they really want, your love drives your generosity. 
or when you're falling in love with someone and you want to get them nice things and you want to take them nice places, your love drives your generosity. That's what he's saying. And again, one more quote from my teacher. He said, Jesus measures my giving relative to what I keep back, not to what I give. Jesus measures my giving relative to what I hold back, not to what I give. That's what we're talking about this morning. And I think it's really important that we know that. You could be a college student or a young adult and think there is no way God needs my money. There is no way God needs my money. And this passage shows us as an encouragement to those who don't have a lot and a challenge to those who do have a lot. And he says, I am watching what you do with your money. I am watching what you do with your money. So let's dive in in verses 41 and 42. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. Two small copper coins, which make a penny. Erin was doing research for her children's church talk this week. And she pointed this out to me. I had no idea. Did you know that in April of 2023, we're stopping using pennies? They're going to stop making pennies. Apparently, it takes two cents in order to make a penny. And somebody was like, well, that ain't, that, that ain't going to work. So in April of 2023, we're not using pennies anymore. We're not using pennies anymore, which is crazy. This woman gave, you heard it, two small copper coins which make a penny. This woman gives the amount that is so valueless to us, we're not going to make it anymore. This woman gives that small amount of money and it catches Jesus' attention to the degree that he's like, fellas, get over here. Watch this woman. It's not about the amount. There are times that I know that you must think, I just don't have that much to give. I just don't have that much to share with God, with the church, with the city, with others. I just don't have that much. You feeling like when we're having our time of giving, giving during the offering, you Venmoing in five dollars, five bucks, you're like, I don't even know if that, that helps. Like, I'm, I don't even have a job. I'm in college right now, plunging myself into debt. What does it matter that I give my five bucks? And I view that differently from what Jesus says right here. It's that, oh my goodness, out of having so little, you still gave. You still took Jesus' commands for us to be a generous people seriously. You didn't have much, and you gave. That's what we're supposed to think. The widow didn't have much and she gave. God's people, it's always been a priority and a precedent for us to give. This is way back in the Old Testament. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. 
You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Or how about this from James? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. How about this from Proverbs 15? The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. That's the sense that I want you to see is that God has always intended for his people to be so generous that the watching world doesn't get it. That's why he had the gleaning thing is so that if you were poor and you had found your way into the land of Israel and you would be like, they're just going to leave that stuff on the side? I can take that. I can use that. I can, I can make something of that. I could even sell that. I could turn things around. That being near God's people meant that you had a better chance because God's people were acting so generously. The watching world should look at Israel and go, wow, they're so generous. I wonder what what their God might be like. And that's what people are supposed to experience being near Christians. They're so generous. I wonder what their God might be like. It's It's the one ethic we have that anyone could be impressed by. You could disagree with our theology, you could disagree with our practices, but when the Christian church is on the front lines looking after the lowly and the overlooked and the wounded and the vulnerable and the limping, and despite the fact that people are looking at us like we're crazy for our beliefs, they say, no matter what, if there's need, the Christians will show up. The Christians will show up. They may be crazy, they may believe those insane things, they drink blood and eat flesh, but they will show up. That's what our reputation is supposed to be like. Ben said it this way, if you think God needs your money, then how much power does that give you? If you think God needs your money, then how much power does that give you? God doesn't need your money. The reason that you give isn't for him. The reason that you give is for you. It's for you to remember again who you are and remember again why you do this. I want you to get a sense of, you know, Jesus sits down. He's been just battling it out with Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees all on one day, and he sits down in front of the offering place. You see the cash box we have way in the back? It's as if Jesus kind of sits down and watches people approach the cash box. Sinclair Ferguson says it this way, on the wall of the court of women stood 13 brass receptacles. So think of 13 trumpets. And they were in the shape of trumpets. And every offering deposit in the receptacles could be heard even if it was not seen. So they had 13 trumpets. And at the bottom of the trumpet, it would go into a treasury box, a a lock box essentially. Now remember, there wasn't any cash There wasn't any bills. It was all coins. And so you would come, and these people, Jesus said, many rich people bringing in large sums of money. Imagine you'd bring in this huge bag of money, and your servant would bring in another huge bag of money, and you would stand over one of the trumpets and empty it into it, and ding, 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 ding. And then your servant would you hand you that, ding, 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 ding. 
It was this very public way of giving, and that's how it was in the temple. People could hear it. So the rich people would feel so good about themselves. Give me another bag. I got another bag. I think I'm giving. Ding, 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 ding. And Jesus is just watching all of this happen. Long sounds of giving into a trumpet. And finally a widow comes by who has two coins. And Jesus goes, watch this, fellas. And comes in and drops two coins that are worth less than a penny, which is now of no value to the American economy. Less than a penny, and she drops it in and goes, Jesus goes, wow, look at the generosity. He's impressed with her because she didn't hold anything back. He's impressed with her not by what she gave, but by the fact that she didn't hold anything back. It says this in Acts. Paul says, I coveted no one's silver or gold apparel. I coveted no one's silver or gold apparel. You yourselves know that these things ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I have to confess this to you. Until a couple of years ago, I thought it is more blessed to give than to receive was a quote from Santa Claus. But sure enough, it's one of the few red letter phrases in Acts. We don't hear Jesus say it in the Gospels, but he must have said it to Paul at one point. Right in the middle of Acts, there's this one red letter phrase that's words of Jesus, red letter. And it said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Hashtag Santa Claus. No, hashtag Jesus of Nazareth. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus is saying, you get to be like me in this tangible way. You get to be like me. You get to give and give and give, and you don't have to hold anything back. Tim Keller says it this way. Believe the gospel and live radically generous lives. If you are people, this is still Keller, if you are people who know you are sinners saved by grace, not by works, you will live lives of generosity. If you know you are people who really do have a spiritual inheritance, you're going to be radically, promiscuously generous with your spiritual inheritance. Keller goes on to say, nobody thinks they're greedy. But your money is the perfect way to find out where your idols really are. You will always find it effortless to spend money on the things that are your real salvation, your real significance, your real security, your real God. The one thing Jesus didn't have was us, Keller continues. He lost his glory, his father, the universe, everything on the cross. We were more valued to him, valuable to him than the universe, or wouldn't, he wouldn't have lost it to get to us. We were more valuable to him than his glory, or he wouldn't have lost it to get to us. We were more valuable to him than anything. We're his treasure. We're the thing that drives him. 
He will do anything to get to us. And then Keller says, your career isn't going to die for your sins. But Jesus does. To the thing I see him making me his ultimate treasure, the one thing he's willing to die for, that makes me the ultimate treasure. And then the next thing you know, my money is free. Your career isn't going to die for your sins. Your experiences aren't going to die for your sins. Your bank account isn't going to die for your sins. But Jesus does. When he would give up everything for us, we know that we are safe and secure. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. So you get to live a radically generous life. That's his point. And Christian giving is always by proportion, not addition. It's always by proportion, not addition. Here's what I mean. An old commentator said it this way. Jesus notes that the woman gave two coins because she could have held one back. Jesus notes that she, could have, that she gave two coins because it's evident she could have held one back. You see, you imagine all of these people listening to all of these coins ring down in these trumpets and then this woman walks over and doesn't even make a sound and Jesus goes, that's what it is. That's right there. That's what it is. She trusts me that I will care for her. She knows that she has an inheritance coming for her. And so she gives. My friend... When he was early in his career, he didn't have a lot of money. He lives in Atlanta. And he had just moved from one tiny apartment into another tiny apartment. And he was down to an empty truck bed. And the only thing he had left to carry upstairs to the apartment was his bed and his box spring. And he was just taking a minute, leaning against the truck, trying to rally himself up to take it, one la the last thing into his new apartment. And he saw this guy looking scruffy and kind of eyeing him as if he was going to wait till he stepped into the apartment and then run off with his mattress and his box spring. So my friend looked back at him and he waved him over and he said, what's going on, man? And he said, hey, do you need that bed and box spring? Because I, I could really, really use it. My friend breathed for a second and said, well, then take it, man. It's all yours. It's all yours. And he helped the man and gave it to him. And then he realized he had to go upstairs and tell his wife that they didn't have a bed anymore. They literally slept on a blow-up mattress for six months because he had given away their bed. It's not what you give that is so generous. It's the fact that you don't hold anything back. The fact that you trust that you can give because God will give you more. You can give because God will give you more. Kent Hughes quotes John Calvin saying it this way. The lesson is useful in two ways. The Lord encourages the poor who appear to lack the means of doing well, not to doubt they testify their enthusiasm for him even with a slender contribution. If you don't have much to give, give it anyway. Give it to him. He notices your small gift and it's significant to him. And then Calvin goes on and says this. If they consecrate themselves, their offering, which appears to be mean and trivial, will be no less precious 
as if they had offered all the treasures of Croatia. Your small gift will be no less precious than if they had offered all the treasures of Croatia. Calvin continues, on the other hand, those who have a richer supply and stand out for their large giving are told that it is not enough. It is not enough if their generosity far exceeds the commoners and the underprivileged, for with God is rates less a, man, a rich man to give a moderate sum from a large mass than a poor man to exhaust himself in paying out something very small. It's a challenge for those of us who have less, and it's a challenge for those of us who have more, that it's a sacrifice. She gave all she had. All she had. For they contribute out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Two lepta, the smallest coins they have. Why would that mean so much to Jesus? Why would that mean so much to Jesus? He owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. Why would it mean so much? This is from Mark 14, 3 through 9. For Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there's some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? This ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing. You will always have the poor with you. Whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. Just as a quick side note, there are lots of episodes in the Gospels where the women get it and the men don't. Jesus sees and celebrates the dignity of women. But I want you to see here is that Jesus is moved by he sees, it, it fills him up when someone is sacrificially ge generous. Ben also said this, the people, there would have been people, you know, dragging their bags of money to get to these trumpets to pour it in, and they could have looked at her like, whoa, lady, get out of the way. The real givers are here. And instead, God says she's the real giver. Kent Hughes says it this way, God does not want our money, he wants us. You can fake give out of your margins, you can't out of sacrifice. My son Knox, his best friend, <clears throat> has lost his little brother to death several years ago. And Knox was heartbroken, the family's heartbroken. We love these people so very dearly. And they were just struggling and discouraged. And Knox pulled his friend aside and said, I know you love the Falcons and I know you're discouraged and so I am going to buy you the nicest Falcons jersey they make. The real kind, not the Walmart kind. And then Knox comes home and tells me that we're going to buy him <laughs> the nicest jersey, not the Walmart kind, the real kind. And then I look up online how much the real kind costs. And we did it anyway. 
I'm not going to tell my son who wants to do something sacrificially generous, oh, let's kind of tame that down. Let's pull that back. I want him to go, I want to bring good to the world. I want it to mean something. And so I want him to be generous. Me as his father saying, go, go be generous. There's more. There's more you have behind you. Go and be generous. And that's what the father is saying to you. He's saying, go and be generous. There's more. I've got you covered. I love when you're generous. I love when you make dents in the brokenness of this world by your generosity. Go and be generous. There's more behind you. That's what the Father is telling us, that you're not going to give and run out. You're not going to give and run out. It says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He's saying, I wouldn't even stop at my son. Abraham, I stopped him at his son and said, You don't need to give your son. I know you love me. But for him, he says, I'm going to give you, I'm not even going to stop at my son. I won't spare my son. And we're supposed to, as Christians, think if he gave us his son, how will he not also keep giving us things? You don't invest the life of your son in a group of people and then go, ah, I'm tired of him. It's, it makes sense of his own investment that if he'd go that far to love us, how much more so will he continue to meet our needs? And because he continues to meet our needs, we're supposed to go out there and spend it for him. Give it for him. That's the point. How much? How much should you give? 10%? More? Out of net? Out of gross? How much? Nobody says it better than C.S. Lewis. I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, amusements is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. Listen, here, if our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. That makes, means if you make 50K a year and your unbelieving friend makes 50K a year, they should get to live a more fun life than you. Better trips, more restaurants, Hulu Plus. They should get to live a better life than you, even though you make the same income and you want those things, but you can't because you're giving away too much. That's his point. You're giving away too much. One more verse and one more story and we'll close. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance and joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, and as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking a part in the giving to the saints. Begging us. 
This is a poor church, extreme poverty, and they're begging Paul, please take more of our money. You know, twice a year I get up here, talk about the budget, or an elder will get up here and talk about the budget. And it's always this moment where it feels like I'm sort of begging. I'm putting my hat out. I'm like, man, sure would be great if the Huffman kids had clothes on their back. And I don't know if you heard, Ben and AC keep having babies. And sure would be great if you guys would give some more. As if you're doing me some sort of favor. What if we flip the script? What if you gave and gave and gave and said, Jared and the leadership of Restoration Southside, we are going to give and give and give. We want you to plant more churches. We want you to hire more staff. We want you to send more missionaries. We are going to give because God did not spare his own son, but graciously gave him up for us all. And so we're going to take the world by storm through our generosity. What if we flip the script? Somebody said it this way, generosity is the new apologetic of our generation. Generosity is the new apologetic of our generation. That means people will take Jesus seriously by the way the church gives generously. Last story. Some of you might be too young for this movie, but there's a powerful World War II movie called Schindler's List. Schindler's List is the story about a German officer. He's a businessman and a part of the Nazi party, and he decides that what the Nazis are doing is wrong, and so he tries to start using his own personal resources to sneak the Jews out of the country. And so he's selling off his belongings, he's using his own accounts, and he's doing all of this to get as many Jews safely out of the country as he can. And finally, they, the Nazis know what he's doing and they come for him. And so his people are trying to get him safely out of Germany. And as they've come to say goodbye to him to get him safely out of Germany, Schindler's standing there and it's all washing over him. And he's looking at his watch at the time and he realizes if he'd sold his watch, he could have gotten more people out. He's looking at his car that they're taking him away in and he's thinking, if, if I had sold that car, I would have gotten more out. And it's, it's this powerful and painful scene where the good guy is realizing, I could have done more good. And Schindler says, I could have gotten more out. Friends, I don't want you laying in your deathbed at 90 or 100, knowing that you're about to go into glory knowing that you're about to go into provision like you have never seen, knowing that you will never know need again, and be sitting there thinking, I could have gotten more out. Why would you give? For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you become rich. That's 2 Corinthians 8 9. One more time. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that his by his poverty you might become more rich. Friends, you are free to live generously because you know that there's more coming. Let's pray. Father, 
Would you let us be the kind of church that doesn't gather up but gives away? Would you let us live so generously because we know that there's more coming? Would you make it so here in this place? We want to plant churches. We want to support mission partners. We want to encourage missionaries. We want to do ministry here on the south side. Would you cause us to well up with generosity? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Mission partners, we want to encourage missionaries. We want to do ministry here on the south side. Would you cause us to well up with generosity? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.